This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Welcome to it. Two minutes past 12 o'clock. Um, how are you doing? A rather overcast Thursday in Joburg. But uh, regardless of the weather, it is wonderful, wonderful to be with you. My name is Nikki Seberini. I'm going to be with you for the next hour on the DL Link show on 101.9 High FM, the show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination and always remembering that the DL Link is well it's still a very young organization starting off looking after just a handful of families when it was first started in 2010 um, this idea born from Devorah Lea who passed away from cancer and so her mom Michelle Goodman and Jackie Otsula teamed teamed up and they just thought about this link, this incredible link um, to social, emotional, psychological and medical support for patients who are fighting cancer and their families. And they continue to do the most magnificent work in our community and now looking after well over 700 families. Um, you know, just frightening how it just seems to be growing, but just so grateful that the DL link is around to do what they do. So it's always a privilege for me to spend this time with you and to have access to the kind of guests that I do. And before I introduce our guests, I have to just share what's on my mind. You know, when you have a dream that kind of disturbs you or you dream about someone and you feel them in your presence the whole day or you watch a movie. I don't know if movies affect you the way they affect me and they kind of sit with you. And last night I made the, I would say it was the wrong decision to to watch a movie, which is a very, very good movie by the name, I don't know if you've heard of it, Fury. And... uh, it takes place in World War Two, and you're really following a, a tank battalion, um, uh, the, the, and the American force, and what they're doing is they're moving across Europe. It's near the end of the war, and now they're crossing over into Germany, and they're taking over Germany one town at a time. And besides the obvious violence and the barbarism and just the obvious man's inhumanity to man, And there was one particular scene that really, really stood out for me. And it's kind of sat with me, just deep in me the whole morning. And it's a scene where they move into a town and you've got this head of the this particular battalion and he goes he finds an apartment where there are there's a German woman there and he takes one of the soldiers with him and you keep thinking oh my goodness what are they going to do and oh what what are they going to do and I know please what are they going to do and he meets this woman and he says he passes some eggs to her and he passes some uh, coffee over to her and he says please can I have some hot water And so you see him start to wash himself. He had been covered in blood and he had been covered in mud. And he just slowly starts to wash himself and freshen up. And so she prepares eggs and she prepares coffee. And he sits at this table with a newspaper in front of him. And he starts to drink the coffee. And it's such a moving part of the movie where you see a person just trying to be a human being once again, having spent so much time being so inhumane, you know, killing someone just meant absolutely nothing. And then just that longing, the longing to just be clean, the longing to sit normally like every other person and just drink a cup of coffee as if it was just another day. And it got me thinking about how, you know, do we, when we sit down and have that cup of coffee or read the newspaper or have a meal with our families or have an opportunity to get into a hot shower or bath, 
are we grateful for the very, very basic things that we do have in our lives? And why is it that we only see the value of these mundane, everyday things when we don't have them when they're taken away from us. And I think apropos the show that we have every single week when we have warriors who share their stories and say that through their battle with cancer, they learned to live in the present moment. They learned to see people differently, have different types of relationships, be so incredibly grateful for that which they have. And, yeah, it's just that constant question. It's a constant reset button. How do we go back to being present and being grateful all the time? Not just when it's taken away from us. All the time. So excuse me for that. I just had to share it with you because it's really been sitting with me. And it's just that, especially with New Year and the, the period between New Year and you're going to be fasting, starting the fast tomorrow night. These are the things we need to be thinking about. We worry about these big things that very often we have very, very little control over. And so often we elsewhere, we're not in our business in this present moment and being so fully grateful for what we have and who we are. So I just thought I'd put it out there just before you do go and start your fast, and I, I hope you don't mind my personal ranting. Right, let us move on. It's seven minutes past 12 o'clock. I have such wonderful guests in the studio because they really do um, incredible, also incredible things within the community and very much within the breast cancer um, community, but the cancer community at large. Um we're talking about it because, of course, you know, we're just around the corner from October. And in October, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I'm very excited to talk to the um, really the, the, the initiator, the starter, the, the, the lady with the, the, the imagination to have put together an incredible magazine for people who are um, and for families and friends also working their way through cancer. Um, she is the founder of Buddies for Life, and that is Karen Joseph. And um, also the editor of uh, Buddies for Life, and that is um, Laurel Williams. So, Laurel, Karen, welcome. Lovely to have you both on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having and us. And pardon my ranting. Is it Laurel or Laurel? It's Laurel. Laurel. Oh, not Laurel. <laughs> not Laurel. Laurel. I'm going to try and remember that. Laurel. Mm. Lovely, lovely to have you both on the show. And I've seen this magazine before, Karen. But there's a beautiful story behind the magazine because, as with everything in life, they don't just happen. Sometimes there's a little bit of prodding and pushing. Tell us how Buddies for Life came into existence. Well, we're going back uh, seven years. And um, at the time, um, Word for Word Media, which is the company, um, was busy publishing and um the background is 20 years of publishing in disability and in the diabetes field. Mm -hmm. And um, my editor at the time, her daughter, Victoria, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was also a friend of my own daughter's. And um, I'd watched Victoria grow up. Mm -hmm. And um, How old was she when she was diagnosed? Do you she remember? was 27. Oh, young. So young, right? So um, with that... Uh, what actually happened was we went down the the road as as a family friend, mm. and we saw that this was a well educated family they were financially stable, they were well employed, they had medical aid they just happened to be on the wrong package, which is quite understandable in today 's time and um 
with this type of cancer that Victoria had, um, she, you know, it was extremely aggressive. So uh, she had to get treatment and they had to bond their house. And when you see the story unfold as we did uh, working, you know, with her mum, mm. we we realized, you know, there's so little information out there. And the doctors are giving treatments and they're giving advice. Um, but often when you are diagnosed, you don't actually get it all. Mm. It's just such a, a big chunk right. that you have to deal with. Yeah. And so you've got to unpack that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously the first thing that people generally do is that they go onto the Internet and they'll maybe find information that isn't always reliable. Mm. And there were lots and lots of questions. And the family sought support and um, they were lucky enough to come across the Breast Health Foundation. And under Louise Turner and her team, they were able to um, find some comfort. And um, and But that wasn't enough. Mm. They needed to read more and to explore more and to see you know, uh, if their questions could be answered because the, the support group only meets uh, maybe once a month, for instance, at that time. Is that what it is, the Breast Health Foundation, a support it group? It is a support okay. group, yes. And um, Word for Word Media is a cause marketing company working, as I said earlier, in the field of disability mm. and, and diabetes. And we knew that there was a publication that was uh, a possibility, but we wanted to... To hold back because it, 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 you know, it's an emotional time really. Mm. And, um, so we waited for three years, but at that time, Victoria actually did a diary and she kept her diary on a regular basis. They brought in a family friend who was a photographer and they took the pictures, which told the story as well. And you can see how emotive those photographs mm. were. And, um, yeah. And, and what we then did was, uh, we got the family to ask the questions around relationship, around the treatment, around the side effects, for instance. Um, and that in itself all came together. And from there, uh, we actually looked at the framework of this This could be a, a publication in itself. Yeah. Because if we were feeling the needs and we in the publishing and we, we researchers, mm-hmm. And, of course, you go onto the Internet to look and see. But we actually needed credible information. Right. And so uh, what we did was we put a dummy together and um, used our, our publishing metal, if you like. Mm-hmm. And um, our small team went to the Breast Health Foundation and we said to them, what do you think? Is there an opportunity for us to do a, a publication that will go out you know, to the two patients? And they took one look and said, yes, how soon can you do this? Make it happen. Hmm. Go away. When's the first issue? Hmm. And, uh, we'll, and the Breast Health Foundation said, we'll, we'll assist you. We'll, we'll put it together and we'll assist you uh, with the right doctors and the right um, expertise. And, um, and there the relationship was born. Seven years ago. Seven years ago. So, and it's a bi-monthly magazine. Um, it is um, a bi-monthly now. At the time, it was quarterly because we took it out of quarterly. Course, right. um, but today, it is actually um, a tumble magazine, which has grown significantly. Sure. 
Um, and yes, we hope that we answer all the, the questions that the um, the breast community are looking at, and then also all the other oncology um, questions that that people have. Because as you know, it's not just breast cancer; it is right across the, the field now. Mm. Um, well, that's what I, that's what was mm. going to be my next question. So let's take a quick ad break, um, and we'll come back and and discuss this incredible magazine. Stay with us. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. Welcome back to the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. We're talking about a magnificent magazine that started off a quarterly seven years ago um, and it's called Buddies for Life and now in 2017 it's a bi-monthly magazine and it's just filled um, from cover to cover with stories and expert advice and um, I have the founder um, uh, publisher and sales for Buddies for Life, um, Karen Joseph and I have the editor Laurel uh, Williams did I get that right yes, Laurel, thank did. goodness my brain is still working and we're talking about the magazine and what I wanted to ask you Karen was why just breast cancer I mean you talk about oncology and you're going to you say oncology across the board but why just breast cancer is it is it so huge in South Africa that twice a month you release a magazine and I'm looking at this magazine filled bursting with stories and it's all around breast cancer um well initially uh, when we launched because of Victoria we didn't really know what the the statistics were and um, there is no cancer registry in South Africa mm. currently. Mm. So um, if you are able to um, look at the cancer um, support group, their statistics say that um, in a lifetime of, of a female, it's one in seven. And in a male's lifetime to receive to get cancer is one in eight. And that would start with breast first. And then it goes down um, to the other cancers. Um, but yes, it, that's where we started. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's where, that's where it was initially, um, put together. Wow. So with the oncology, you talk about oncology, mm. um, part in, in the magazine. So is it all, all different types? Are you looking at new treatments and how do you stay, um, up to date with all the latest research that's, that's taking place all over the world? Well, we are very fortunate to have um, doctors that write for us on all the topics. So, um, as I said earlier, it's it's all about the credible information mm. that patients need dumped down into patient language so that they understand um, the journey mm. um, and how they can actually focus on their life. Because often, what happens is if you if you are diagnosed early enough, you live with cancer. And it's, it stays. So it's a lifestyle. Mm. And so many people are being diagnosed early because of the awareness through the support groups and also obviously the publicity like you're doing for, for, for mm. us right now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So Laurel, can you tell us which doctors write for the magazine? I mean, I've seen, um, Carol Ben and we know 
Professor Ben is just, yeah. I mean, she's leading in terms of breast cancer. Um, who else do you have writing? So um, Professor Carol Ann Ben is a, a major, she writes under the knife, mm-hmm. and she's also part of our, well, my go-to editorial team asking for advice on um article topics but then we've also got other doctors like Dr Inga Creel she's an oncology care physician so it's an, quite a new speciality it's called survivorship so once you've actually now be cleared of your cancer now you need to have a, a doctor in your survivorship management years. like you, yeah. you're managing your yeah. health and okay mm-hmm. then right. we've got also a navigator Krupa um, she's got a really hard surname so I'm not going to try and pronounce it but she's a navigator so a patient navigator and that also helps what is when, that? What's so the when, when you get diagnosed with breast cancer then they will help you and guide you through, help you with your follow-up appointments, make sure that you're getting the right information and understanding what treatments you're going through. Mm-hmm. If you need to see a, a psychologist or a counsellor, they'll they'll put you in touch. So patient navigator, they patient they actually walk the road with you and throughout your, your whole whole journey. Then we've also got surgeons, um Dr. Marissa Fenter, Dr. Charles Herrera. We also have um, oncologists like Dr. Georgia Dimitri, Dr. Ronwin van Yerden, Dr. Rappaport. So we've got quite a, a, a big, a big um, circle of um, doctors, but we keep on trying to get more, more doctors. I mean, obviously we have our regulars, but there's always a Dr. Chan as well. I mean, she's our go-to lung, lung cancer specialist. Mm-hmm. So um, whenever we get a topic, I try and find out which doctor is, has a speciality in that and then approach them to write for the magazine. And Laurel, I mean, I have to ask the question because again, we, we, you know, we have incredible people coming onto the show talking about, and I don't call it alternative therapy. Someone said they complementary therapies, so a whole lot of therapies that work hand in hand with mm. the chemotherapy. I had an incredible homeopath not so long ago talking about designing something specifically for the individual. Then of course we have the cannabis oil and we have all of that. Do you, do you look at complementary treatments in the magazine? Yeah. Yes, in our, I think it's the, the latest, not the September, October, the, it's the July, um, August, we had an article on ga- cannabis oil. So, um, uh, Maria Wasco, she wrote for us, and I'm telling you that article on Facebook got shared and shared really? and shared. And the thing is, we have to acknowledge it that, um, and doctors have even said when we were at the Sasco SASMO um, Congress that oncologists, even though they, they don't, um, you know, it's not part of their treatment that they're prescribing, but it is something that can help their, their um, patients. So instead of putting the concrete wall, let's speak about it and mm. let's assist them to see how it can help. So mm. we, but with that said, um, all our articles do need to go get approved by the Breast Health Foundation. So we, we don't want to put out information there that there are no facts or trials or proof or evidence that it can um, assist you in your, your journey. And we, we don't want to be misleading. Do so you, do, do you look at things like Reiki or reflexology or we, do, we, do, do we you cover have, that at all? We haven't it's really. Interested, yes. We, we haven't really. I'll be honest with you. Okay. So, so I'm looking at this cannabis oil for dummies. Yes. Um, is cannabis oil legal? What is it used for? Safety first, purity, and then the checklist. We had a, also a huge response to the cannabis mm-hmm. oil and it, it continues to grow. And obviously people having to be very careful about it because 
of the fact that people are manufacturing it in their back gardens and not necessarily using the right plants because um, there's so many different yeah. types of, of plants. So so fascinating. What what for you? Because how long have you been uh, editing? I've been here for just over a year. And how's that been? I mean, it's a, I can only share because I've been doing this show now for a year, and it's a it's a it's a whole different world, really. How how has the experience been for you? I must say, I'm very much educated now in breast cancer. I didn't I didn't have a family member with breast cancer, Mm -hmm. so I came in quite um, naive and not knowledgeable. But I think a year and a bit, I've got quite a bit of knowledge. But for me, um, I love people. I love stories. I love telling people stories, and I've always been one to encourage and spread hope. So I think this is a great fit with my personality. Um, just to, I interview the survivors and to hear how they get through this journey is just something so special to write about. And just like you spoke about the, your movie earlier that you know, and you hear these um, survivors say that they realize how they have taken life for granted. Mm. And now when they faced with possible death or the chance that their life can be taken away and then they get their chance for survival and they survive and their whole life and outlook changes Mm. and they start taking that moment you know each moment and they start appreciating smaller things and forgetting the the silly stuff and the stressful stuff so it's it's really encouraging you know mm-hmm. um to just to be able to hear these stories and share and i love um, i mean i'm a journalist of, of my training so i love knowledge mm-hmm. you know reading these doctors articles and to actually understand them is just great for me mm-hmm. i can imagine and listen especially um one of our warriors that we're going to be chatting to in just a moment um ishmael ian yeah. who fascinating because again and I've, i have spoken to someone before who had a man who had breast cancer but it really is something that we don't talk about and what i found so interesting and it's certainly something i'm going to talk to ishmael about um is the idea that men don't get breast cancer. And if they do, the question around their sexuality and, and everything, which is just, it's, it's wonderful to be able to talk about it and to just look at all of these misunderstandings that, that are out there, really. Karen, we, we're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the break, I want to hear how Victoria is doing. You spoke about a three-year journey that was a while ago. You spoke about a diary. And how is she and, and, and where has the story led? So stay with us. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Thank you so much for staying with us. 26 minutes past 12 o'clock. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Talking about a fantastic magazine called Buddies for Life. And uh, it's all about cancer stories and survivor stories and important information from doctors and surgeons and all about oncology and treatments. And also lovely things, lovely, wonderful additions. Um, as you were saying, Karen, just because it's such an overwhelming thing to know that you can pick up a magazine and you can pick up a range of magazines and all of a sudden you feel first of all connected to a community um, and also you have knowledge um, that you know reputable journalists and doctors have passed on that knowledge and you have access to it you have access to this information so before I ask you about where people can get the magazine tell us a little bit more about Victoria because she kind of gave you this idea she put you in that space the the realization that there was a need for the magazine magazine and the information. How is she? Victoria is well. She has um, 
Uh, well, she's left South Africa. She's in the UK. Yes. Um, we messaged each other this morning and, um, she wished us well. Oh, fabulous. Um, she was on a conference, um, at the moment. And, um, yes, her, her life is full and rich. So she's what now? 30. 37. 37. Yeah, she's wow. 37 wow. now. Yes. And healthy and fit and wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. And um, the, the Facebook show that, you know, she's engaging. She has a good social life, um, always surrounded by lots of friends and happy, bubbly personality that she that she really is. Mm, it's a great story. Mm. The magazine, where can people get their hands on this magazine? Um, the publication is available online mm-hmm. and that's free. Mm-hmm. So anybody can go onto. And a lo- all the past publications as well, because I'm looking at all of these magazines here and I would want access to all of them. Uh, well, um, we do have um, back issues and archived issues on our website. Great. So people can go onto buddiesforlife.co.za and um, have a look. Um, and Yes, our magazine is available um, at support groups um, throughout the whole of South Africa as well as through oncology units, um, radiology units, um, and then also through, um, well, at mammography units. uh, And we are lucky enough to be distributed by Medipost. Uh, So while they're reaching all the hospitals, uh, our magazines go there too and to all the private clinics and urology uh, units as well. So anywhere where where cancer um, patients are, our publication is there. Um, and obviously we can't, we can't, um, paper the joint with magazines. So that's why we encourage people to go online as well. Mm-hmm. You, you've got incredible advertisers. Has, <laughs> has it been difficult to get people to come on board or is it not a problem because you're looking at a very specific market for, um, for your magazine? It has been quite a journey. Um, it, when we first launched, obviously the pharmaceutical companies wanted to wait and see if we survived. And um, we we got a little bit of support, and then the difficulty also comes in with the pharmaceutical advertising. It has to be specific, mm-hmm. um, and there's obviously good um, practice that has to happen through the pharmaceutical um, societies, etc. And so what we what we do is we focus on advertorial. Um, and we get quite a lot of support that way, mm-hmm. um, tied in with education. And I must just thank our advertisers that have stayed the journey with us um, because without them, this publication would not actually happen. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's been, it has been quite a long journey. There were times when we really thought, is this actually going to work? Are we ever going to get salaries out of this? <laughs> um, are we actually going to be able to make the, make it work? Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, seven years later, we are, we are out there and I'm very happy to say that the content drives the publication and drives the advertising. Fantastic, fantastic. And Laurel, getting stories uh, twice a month, is that a problem at all? No, um, I must say since since I've joined, um, it's, it's really um, just so good because I get so many emails from different survivors okay. who have read the story and who are willing to, to share their story. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the moment, I've got a whole inbox called Survivor Submissions, and obviously with the themes, I have to go through and choose which one mm-hmm. will fit the theme. So we we never sourcing, sourcing. Sometimes when we have a specific theme and we're looking for a specific cancer on that, um, but we, we always, I've got such good 
contacts or in people who are willing to assist that I always get what I'm looking for. Mm, wonderful. Well, just looking at your, your latest edition, um, we're delighted to have a feature from the magazine. We're delighted to have this particular warrior on the show with us. Um, and as I started off saying, you know, we are entering October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month and we don't have as our first warrior a female um, where we have this idea that it's only women who get breast cancer. We have a male, which is a great, great way, I think, to start. So I'd like to welcome Ishmael Ian um, William Fife uh, onto the show. Um, Ishmael Ian, it is lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for being so brave and for coming on to share your story. Well, I have to thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity and to the two ladies in your in your studio, Laurel and Karen, thank you for Putting me on the cover. <laughs> not bad, hey? Not bad. You see, not bad at all. At I least, hope I'm sexy enough. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Ishmael Ian, but of course. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible story that you have because breast cancer is the cancer that you got the second time round. And I'm saying second time round because you were diagnosed with prostate cancer years ago. Perhaps you can just fill the listeners in. Um, well, it all started off in 2003. I'm just going to very, very, very briefly summarize it. It all started in 2003, though, with a, um, a policy that I needed to have a blood test for. Yes. Um, you know, nowadays you have to go for insurance on bonds and things like that. So those were, that was one of the, the objectives I had to do. Um, and in that, they detected that there was blood in the urine. Um, further testing needed to be done. I was referred to a, a urologist who thought, in his opinion, that it was a kidney infection. And mm. so for a year and a bit, I was walking around with a kidney, a suspected kidney infection, until um, things weren't improving. And he then decided, well, the very same urologist decided that further testing needed to be done. And so we came to the DRE, which is known as the Digital Rectal Examination, um, and... Uh, I had that done, and it was then discovered that the prostate was a little bit too hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are clear signs that there's a problem with the prostate, and obviously needed then to go for a biopsy. And um, three days after that, was called back or ushered back into the doctor's rooms and politely seated and told that young man, you have prostate cancer. Sure. What a shock! What a shock to the system. Um, to be quite honest, at that stage, no. Really? <laughs> Again, what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna reveal, uh, I hope I'm not gonna take offense to all men here, but I'm not also gonna generalize, is that, um, some men are very machismo, and uh, I was one of them, and yeah. yeah, I can overcome anything, so this is maybe just another cold kind of attitude. Mm. And, as the treatment started, then the reality only started to sink in, but whoa, 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 this is, way far more than what you thought young man mm. so what's going on here and mm. uh, the nights and the days of not feeling well and being sick and because of the treatments they then started uh, that then started to open up my eyes and think but well this is not just a common cold yeah. You're, yeah. you're dealing with something greater than just a common cold mm. yeah sure um, and also, you, you didn't, I mean, just the fact that you, in your mind, as you said, macho, you know, this is something you're going to overcome. This is just a little hurdle in the road. Yep. You, you didn't share it with your wife. You, you kept no, it to yourself, yeah. which is, which is just incredible. I mean, you know, 
that, that you would take this on and that you would think that you on an emotional and physical level that you could deal with all of this is just incredible to me. Yeah, it, it, it literally there was mitigating circumstances. I'm not trying to justify my action by no means. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both had just gone through a traumatic experience with my mom who passed uh, passed on in 2000 with uh, lymphoma. Mm-hmm. So we had to go through that whole traumatic experience. And uh, for me now to go and tell my family who had just come out of that experience that, well, now it's my turn. And uh, I thought to myself, look, man, I can handle all of this, so why do I need to involve my family? Mm. And to be quite honest with you, um, the first stages of treatment were, they were easy, if I can, for the lack of a better word, they were easy to handle because they were radiation. And and radiation is not as aggressive as any as your chemo or anything else like that. You, so you, you were able to hide those things. But it's when the prostate cancer came back after being in remission for something like seven to eight months and it came back, the doctors then decided, no, we need to be a little bit more aggressive here. So that's when the hormone therapy came in and the chemotherapy came in. And that's when everything started to be noticeable by the family. And look, something's not right here. And what are you, what's going on? What are you hiding? And so for the first part of my, my, my treatment, which, which lasted for almost nine to ten months, that was in 2004 when I was initially diagnosed, I could hide it. Mm. But the second time around, when it, when it came back, I could not hide yeah. no more. And mm. that was, I think, the start of the end for, for my um, first marriage, if I can put it that way, yeah. bluntly put it yeah. that way. I hear you. Ishmael, and you know, I mean, I started off by saying thank you for coming on, for being brave, for sharing your story. Um, Last year, I remember when it was uh, Prostate and Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Um, mm-hmm. So we focused a lot on men and, and you know, how difficult it is to share um, yep. and how important it is to have connections and to have uh, groups where they can get together and talk and, and just that how, how difficult it is. And we found it very, very difficult to actually get warriors who had prostate cancer who were prepared to come on the show and share their stories. Yep. Because of what it, what you know, how some people would perceive it as a weakness yes. or what, whatever, whatever else it is, and and I think that what you, what you're explaining to us is very much that that you for nine months would contain it all. Um, yes. I, I hear that you had been through this this tragedy before, but just that you were containing it, 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 you know, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it must have been a very lonely experience. No, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And uh, again, it's uh, coming back to what you started saying out. In, 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 in the, it's more, and, and I, I'm not talking, I'm talking about the poorer communities, and I'm talking middle class, poor. The more affluent is more educated. Mm-hmm. The middle class and poorer sectors are not that much educated. So for us, and then the, 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 sorry again for my political correctness, the blacks and things like that who are a little bit unschooled. For us, it's all about humiliation, the male being humiliated to have his finger pushed, pushed up his rectum kind mm, of thing. It's, yeah. it's not a given kind of thing and it's not a, it's not a taboo. You know, it's, mm. it's things that are frowned upon by most men and still today are, believe me, still today are frowned upon by men. And this is why they, they don't seek, if they, if they, if they hear they have any form of cancer relating to the, the male anatomy, it becomes a problem for yeah. them to disclose. Yeah.
Which is why we're so pleased that you're sharing your story. I just have to say that again. It takes a lot of courage, Ishmael. So when you went through the second bout of treatment, which was a lot harder, hormone therapy, for example, what kind of effect did that have on you? How were you feeling? How was it affecting you? Well, today still I suffer from the side effects. Um, Again, I always jokingly say to uh, uh, my friends or even my current wife at that time of the month, referring to obviously (laughs) a (laughs) post-menstrual (laughs) treatment. Never have you understood the plight of women before as now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, I still have, even though I have been off treatment for, well, oh, Jesus, how long now? I'm trying to think it's almost five, five years now. And I still have to go in the stand outside in the cold sometimes when I have my hot flush. Oh. Just to try and get my body temperature down. <laughs> just to get my body temperature down. And my wife actually kicks me out of the bed because it becomes too so heated in there. You'll be, you'll be surprised the amount of heat you actually give off. And then also the mood swings. They know exactly when I'm a bit grumpy. Okay, just, just leave daddy alone. Just, mm. just stand one side and... Because, yeah, no, you do snap. And that, that is, that, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the side effect of the hormone. Yeah. Mm. So, so you were having all of these effects. Your wife didn't know, but then eventually you had to tell her. Yes. And the reaction, the reaction when you did tell her, Ishmael Ian? Okay, let me come to the truth of the matter here. What actually happened, you know, and I find women very, very creative. They, creative. They watch, you, they watch you. They watch you. And if there's yes. any change to your, your, your timing or anything, they pick those things up. And there were days in the week when you know you have to go for treatment. And they picked up why on such a day is always missing from whatever at such and such a time. And then. <laughs> she thought you were having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> Until one time, she actually followed me, and uh, um, sure. while having the 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 the, the actual radio chemotherapy and sitting with this machine pumping the chemo into my body, the sister walks in. This is why would you mind if your wife joins you? <gasps> sure. I said my wife, and and normally we kid. We normally kid because we make jokes the nursing staff and the patient just to keep it all humorous. And I thought, okay, it's just one of those jokes again. And, I said, yes, follow me. Let her come in. <laughs> oh, and she walked in. And lo and behold, she walks in, and everything just went silent. Mm. Sure, And she walked sure, out. Sure. It took her 30 seconds just to look at me, and, it, and she just walked out. And that was that. Was that. Yeah. Mm. Because what? She felt that ultimately you had lied to her all this time. Ah, yes. And she just couldn't get like, over like that. You, yes, mm. like you mentioned, mm. her thoughts whether I'm having an affair, yeah. not something like this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, how yeah, awful! That's, that's how I got caught up. Mm, how awful, Ishmael. Yeah, and that just must have been on top of everything. Feeling the way you were to have your marriage break down must have been just another huge challenge. Huge Absolutely. challenge. The, the, the trust was broken, basically. Mm, Whether yeah. it was me having an affair or uh, I'm not telling her about such a critical illness and not disclosing it to her, but, yeah, you break the trust. Yeah. What else have I been hiding, kind of mm, Of course. But listen, it's, it's all, you know, there, there is a, a pot of gold at the end of, of this rainbow and a light <laughs> at the end of this tunnel. You're going to share that story, but we're just going to take a quick break, um, and please do stay with us. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. 
Welcome back, welcome back. Our wonderful warrior today is Ishmael Ian William Fife, who has been sharing his story of how he was first diagnosed with prostate cancer. Um, he got divorced in the process. As I said, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you, because you, you, you found love, Ishmael Ian, you, you did find love again. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. And, um, and yeah, I think it, it kind of brought some sense of security, some sense of pleasure to the mishap that, that did take part, that did take place, yes. Mm. Never mm. thought I'd get that again, but yeah, I did. How wonderful. How absolutely wonderful. So you've got your twins from your first marriage, and now your your wife had has children as well. No, no, no. Your second um, wife. No, my, I have two sons from my first wife, yes. and then twins from my second wife, which is from her previous marriage. Oh, I see. I see. So you've got a huge family. <laughs> well, the second two I had to have ready-made because... Uh, Nothing like ready-made. Nothing like that's why I love Woolworths. It's the best. <laughs> Ishmael, Ian, when were you when were you diagnosed with breast cancer, and how did that come about? Ironically, and it is it's weird. I was diagnosed in two thousand and four June with prostate cancer, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer in June two thousand and eight. Sure. So, that was because of pain I was experiencing in my right nipple, and also there was like a very, very hard lump, and touching it felt, oh, it was painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. that, that's how I I discovered it and then went to the doctor because obviously this is not normal. I ignored it before because, again, ignorance. You're told that these are fatty lumps that men get, so it's nothing to worry about. Your GP tells you, no, it's a fatty lump. And what are they call- I'm not quite sure what they call it, but anyway. And I regarded it as one of those until it started to get painful. And mm-hmm. when it started secreting fluid, uh, I thought, no, 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 something's not right here. I needed to go for further testing. And yeah, that's when it was discovered that I had breast cancer. Fortunately for me, though, it had not spread into any tissue. It Mm -hmm. was just there. It was just growing under the nipple. And I guess if I was a couple of weeks or months later, it would have actually spread into into further tissue. So was it just surgery? What treatment did you need? I had a lumpectomy, which Mm -hmm. was just removing the lump itself. Mm -hmm. And then obviously some serious uh, radiation to avoid any further spread of, of, of the, the, the cancer. But fortunately, with, with modern technology, since 2004 to 2008, there was a huge improvement. They could remove the whole, the whole lump or tumor, as it is, without having any uh, spread of, or, or remains of the tumor left behind. Incredible, absolutely incredible. We spoke about the stigma of cancer, male prostate cancer. Again, as a male being diagnosed with breast cancer, how how did you deal with that? In terms Um, of community, in terms of friends and the reactions that people had? My reaction at first is, and again, it comes back to naivety and ignorance, men don't get breast cancer. What are they talking about? absolute nonsense um, until I then like I heard earlier on in your program people do Dr. Google uh, which you're not really supposed to because there's too many doctors that give too many false information mm. but some of the information was interesting and, and I read it up and I read up an article which came with cancer.uk and um, 
I was amazed, and I thought, oh my, okay, so yes, men do get breast cancer. It's just a, a hormone thing um, that when we, we reach puberty, all of those other developed breasts that women get falls away in the man uh, anatomy. So it got me thinking that, yes, this is then so true, because uh, when I, I can remember as a child, I used to have milk in my breast. And it happens again with all males that mm-hmm. at, up to a certain age, that milk in their breast disappears. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to the age of puberty. This is all that I've been reading and wow. also drank down. So, yes, why why can't men then get breast cancer if you've mm-hmm. gone through all of those uh, through those processes? For sure. Wow. That's very interesting. I didn't even know that. You've just, <laughs> you've just taught me something, Ishmael. Ian. And tell me, how, how is your health today in 2017? How are you? Look, as, as Karen mentioned earlier, it doesn't go away. It is there. It becomes dormant like it is from birth, as, as I think uh, studies prove that the gene is there. You're born with it and it's, it's the way you, you live. It's your lifestyle that ignites this gene and uh, forces it to become active and, and do all these naughty things. So, yes, as, as a warrior, yes, I will most probably, that's why I'm called a survivor. It, I'll always have cancer and always know to have cancer. Mm. But it is now at the stage it is dormant or I'm in remission and I'm, I'm going to continue fighting whether it comes back or not. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I've got to tell you, it's been a real, real joy having this conversation with you, Ishmael Ian. You are, I love your approach. I, I love the story that you shared. And here's wishing you good health and lots of love and lots and lots of happiness. Thank you for your time. Thank you ever so much. And thank you to the ladies for the article. And yes. thanks for, your, for the public out there for listening to me. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Ishmael Ian. Take care. Go well. Um, last night when I was looking at information about Ishmael Ian, I thought, I, I want to see a picture of him. And because I always love to put a, a face to, to the information, sometimes to the voice. Um, so you can really read about Ishmael Ian's story in the latest, um, edition of the, uh, um, Buddies uh, for Life. But this is on the oncology, um, section, um, oncology buddies. There it is. There he is with his beautiful, beautiful family. What an incredible story, Laurel. What a, yes, what a I must beautiful say, story. This, this is a story that's really these are the types of story that I love you know you mm-hmm. you go through this enormous battle but there's at the end of the day you you come out um victorious and just the way that he got a second chance of love second chance to be a father which he he really wanted to be and yeah this this Lovely. is what makes my job so easy mm, put stories that, like put this. that smile on your face <laughs> Laurel thank you so much for coming no, to the studio you. Karen thank you so much what a beautiful what baby honor. you have birthed thank you uh, may it just grow and grow and grow and lovely having you both in the studio I hope we'll see you again soon Do thank you very care. much thank you thank you a very very quick break and then our wonderful Michelle Goodman will be joining us she has a very special message for you so don't go away this is Life Links with a DL link If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. 
five minutes to one o'clock. We've really just got a few more minutes left. Uh, and uh, it's always great to have uh, the founder of the DR Link, Michelle Goodman, always looking beautiful, always elegant and always calm and relaxed. Hi, you, Mesh. Nikki, <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, can you see my teeth chattering? <laughs> that red looks beautiful on you. You look gorgeous. Gorgeous. So how are you? How was your Rosh Hashanah? Yes. How excellent. did you spend it? Excellent. Family, friends, shul, davening. Asking Hashem to please answer all our tefillot. And we'll, where, where are you going to be breaking your fast on Saturday? Uh, also, just for family, oh, friends. <laughs> so you? you've got a, I'm going to my aunt. It's a tradition, a tradition. That's what we do. It's I love this time of the year. I love this in between stage. I love the reflection. I love the introspection. I enjoy this time, and then we start fasting tomorrow night, and then (laughs) and then it's big introspection. So you've got a message, Mish. So I would just like to um, the dear Link have had a very successful year, and I would like to thank the entire community. For your support, you, the community, for your support and your partnership with us. Mm-hmm. For us, success and survival do not necessarily go in hand in hand, yeah. as we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. For us, success is if we have touched a life and made a difference, mm-hmm. which we know, thank God, we've really done. And we thank the community for assisting us with this. Mm-hmm. Survival is not in our hands. And as we're standing now in the new year, I quote Steve Adler's blessing to to us last year where he said you should be out of business immediately yes. to which I answered a very very large loud amen mm-hmm. and I'd just like to take a few minutes just to wish that all the dear link family and you all our very very special and precious community a year and many more of happiness success peace safety and security of abundant health physically, emotionally, psychologically, and financially. And our show should always be one of amazing success stories as we've here and always just be able to share with actually with our challenges. It mm. should just be wonderful stories that we're always sharing. Mm. And I just want to wish everybody a very meaningful fast. Thank you, Mishi. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. I echo everything that Mish has said. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, I hope that it is a meaningful fast for you. And until next week, do take care. For me, Nikki Seberini, goodbye.